This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Visit bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 89th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording one more time from our own homes in Springfield, Missouri-ish area. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? Why don't you tell them about why we're not in the studio? I'm great, first of all, and uh, you don't even have to tell me. I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna unleash uh, the reason why we are once again recording via Zoom call. Uh, it's because my car is having some issues uh, with the brake, and I felt like it was unsafe to to drive. And my wife is currently preoccupied with her job, so her car is not available. Well, if it only um, has one brake then you should probably get that checked out. It's the, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's the uh, anti, anti-lock anti braking system. It oh, is the old ABS. The old mm-hmm. ABS system, yeah, it's malfunctioning. And so it's a hazard. And so well, here we are. <laughs> that's better than, you know, one of us being sick or something like that. Oh, yeah. absolutely. We're not quarantining. Uh, Kyle's just. I'm just irresponsible. Yeah, well, I didn't, I didn't say it. And I dropped I dropped that news on these on these fellas like literally like 15 minutes before we were supposed to meet so <laughs> uh, or something like that at least. So. But uh, now we know that we have this option, so if there's ever a situation like that, we can just hop on Zoom and we're good to go. Absolutely, uh, Kyle. We don't have a ton to talk about today. We have some uh, news items. We have some Twitter interactions that we're going to hash out. Um, if anybody didn't see last week's episode, it was an excellent episode. We were back in the studio. We did our Mizzou basketball all decade team. Um, we did a build your best Mizzou lineup from the past decade with $15 game. Probably saw that on Twitter. Um, so if you didn't see that episode, go check it out. Um, that was a really fun one. Um, we didn't even need to put up a poll between mine and your uh, $15 squads because I conceded right there in the episode that you did. yours was superior. And <laughs> um, I can't remember if we talked about this on the episode or if it was after the fact, but I realized that the very first squad that I wrote down was identical to the one that you picked, the one that I just went off the top of my head, what's the best value at each position? I came to the same conclusion as you, but I wanted to I wanted to stay on brand and have uh, Mitchell Smith in my lineup. Wow, you are you are just like the uh, the national news pundits who j- don't even you you just bring hot takes to the table even though you don't believe in them. Yep, I am. You just, you are evil. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> or am I? Well, I guess we'll see. Um, I don't know where you want to start with news. Uh, let's see here. Maybe that. Uh, new addition to the football recruiting class yeah it sounds like a good place to start uh missouri football recruiting on a roll uh continuing to be on a roll i uh, got a commitment from davian sistrunk uh from florida and uh you know this is an intriguing prospect this is um 
he's a six-two defensive back. Um, crazy athleticism. I, I I really didn't know much about him, but I could tell. You know, I watched his film, and you can tell immediately that you know that his his strength is his athleticism, his explosiveness. Um, you know, I think I could even tell a little bit that you know his technique was not great, and I'm definitely not a, a football scout by any by any uh, means, and I always say that, but. Um, I, you know, I could tell that, uh, you know, he was not super, you know, sound in his, in his, uh, technique and stuff like that, but he was just like making up for maybe his, uh, errors with his athleticism. And later on, I found out that he's only been playing football for a year. So that definitely made sense that, um, you know, maybe some of those things he hasn't completely worked out yet, but I'm sure that, uh, Missouri is happy to have him aboard and kind of just work with him. He may be a little bit, not a project necessarily, but you know, someone who might take a little bit longer to get acclimated to the game than others. But um, I'm super excited about uh, what he, what he could bring to the table eventually. Um, I, I think I, I saw a video of him on Twitter uh, doing like a 360 dunk basically. And uh, apparently he's a great basketball player uh, was like named the player of the year in his district in Florida. So uh, a lot of a lot of things to like about him and his athleticism. Yeah, I was going to mention the. I've seen a couple of videos now of him uh, throwing it down. Um, I did want to note that he had other offers from Baylor, Illinois, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, Penn State, and USC. I don't know if this is referring to Southern California or South Carolina, but uh, plenty of Power Five offers there. So um, yeah. That is a, a crazy offer list for a guy who's only been playing football for a year. Um, Mind-blowing almost. Uh, so clearly, um, Missouri was not the only program enamored with uh, his athleticism. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm super excited to see what they can do once they get him in the program and, you know, working with these coaches for a couple of years and everything. He could, he could be really special. Yeah, I wonder if uh, maybe his athleticism will translate to uh, different parts of the field outside of the defensive backfield. Yeah, it's possible. And I think he's being recruited as a cornerback right now, but, you know, I think he would, I could see him definitely playing safety um, at some point or, or like you said, maybe something else. I don't know, outside maybe, linebacker or wide, re- wide receiver or something. Who knows? Maybe see him uh, contribute on special teams, maybe before he gets a shot. Yeah, um, for sure. On the full defensive unit. Definitely. All right. I, that's the only football related thing I had. Uh, actually, why not? I guess this is football related. Daniel Parker Jr. apparently, let me pull up the tweet here. Uh, had a situation with his eye getting infected, and the picture he put on Twitter was absolutely gruesome. <laughs> but he and now we know after the fact, this is the first time I've seen anything of it. Uh, he's, he's well again. He doesn't seem like there's going to be any lingering effects. Uh, I'll pull up the tweet here. Yeah, I think I knew that, you know, and he was not practicing in the spring, um, because of some kind of injury or something like that. Um, but I didn't, I don't think I ever knew what it was. And so, uh, that makes sense. If you've seen the picture, you know why he wasn't practicing. Yeah. So the tweet says, uh, sinus and tooth infection behind his right eye, three different bacteria were found. Uh, had to have one nasal surgery and two eye surgery surgeries. His eyelids were cut away from the muscles and tendons to relieve pressure from his eye. 
Um, so they weren't even sure if he would ever have vision again in that eye. And then even once it returned, he was seeing double. And then uh, it says about a week ago, he said he could see almost perfectly. Hmm. Um, he had a surgery to reattach the lower lid and the doctors have been impressed with his progress. And yeah, the, the before and after picture is nuts. So we didn't even know really what was going on, but happy to see that he's recovered and uh, seems like no worse for the wear. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously for football reasons, it's good to see that he's back and healthy, but that's, that was a far more serious thing than just playing football. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that he's going to be able to retain vision. I mean, that I cannot imagine uh, losing vision in one or both eyes, but uh, that looked, looked terrible. So good to see him uh, back to normal. Yeah. Probably scary situation for his family and everybody, you know, close to him, but yeah, happy to see he's on the mend or maybe completely mended. Uh, he was, Definitely well enough, I think, uh, yesterday or today to tweet uh, or quote tweet something you sent out, Kyle, regarding uh, Mr. Axel Okongo. Uh, if folks aren't on Twitter too much, they may have missed this whole thing. But poor Axel, he's been on the bad end of two uh, highlights from some open gym runs uh, lately. Uh, the first one was like, you know, just getting crossed up on a hesitation move. And then the guy just drove right past him and dunked. And the other one was actually started by, uh, it was friendly fire. Xavier Pinson uh, ooped it off the backboard to uh, Terrence Hargrove, who threw it down. Um, I would say on Axel, if not on. Yeah, you're definitely. the one that sent it to me, actually. <laughs> yeah, I sent you the link. I was like, Axel, no. <laughs> Yeah, okay. uh, it definitely definitely got thrown down in his uh, general vicinity for sure. And so, yeah, it, it was it was a massive dunk. Uh, yeah, I I sent out that tweet uh, just kind of you know some lighthearted uh, bringing attention to uh, Axel getting thrown down on a little bit, but um, it was all in good fun. Um, D Daniel Parker Jr. seemed to think that he was not getting dunked on because it was kind of an open gym situation, which I totally understand. I mean, it, I agree. I'm sure it was just kind of a basically for uh, just getting in just shape more than game, anything. Basically. Yeah, pickup game. Um, but and he was definitely on the bad end of like a you know two on one break, and there's not much you can do uh, sometimes. But yeah, he was definitely dunked on, and whether he could do anything about it or not, so. Yeah. Uh, and that could have happened to anybody. It just was a weird coincidence that he was on the bad end of two of these uh, highlights that were out recently. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, Axel seems like a really nice guy. I don't, I'm not, I really am not trying to like make fun of him or anything like that. I, I'm seems like a, seems like a great guy. Just uh, wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. Twice in a row. <laughs> For sure. That just <laughs> happened to get uh, broadcast. Yeah. You know, if either one of those guys misses the dunk or, or something, then, you know, we never see anything about it. There you go. But it was kind of sad. Um, Hargrove's a guy that you just wonder. Obviously, he went to Salu and I don't know. He was kind of, you know, at the top of the recruiting rankings for the state of Missouri uh, the year he graduated from high school. And you always just wonder about those guys that maybe it would have been worth a shot 
seeing what they could do in a power five conference, but you know, he hasn't necessarily blown, blown us away uh, playing at St. Louis, but I think he only played one year. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's been a couple of guys like that kind of, you know, in Missouri. And I think um, Isaiah Mosley is one of those guys where, you know, he's just finished his freshman year at Missouri state um, a, a guy, especially uh, him because he's from Columbia. And so, you know, we kind of wondered if he'd get a shot at Mizzou or if he'd go somewhere else. But, you know, that that will probably always be one that, you know, he's probably right on that borderline. He's going to I think he, he's going to be a really good player at Missouri State. Um, could he play at Mizzou? Probably. Um, same thing with Hargrove. Hargrove's crazy athletic um, and he had some really good games at St. Louis. You know, if he's a three or four year player, could he be productive at Mizzou? Probably. I'm sure yeah. he could. So. Yuri Collins is another one that people have talked about. Uh, he's just played his freshman year at, at St. Louis as well and um, turns the ball over way too much. But um, other than that, seems to be a solid D1 player. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Speaking of basketball, we didn't have anything else even remotely football related, did we? I don't think so. It's just kind of interesting to see in these videos of these kind of open runs and pickup games because obviously the players are most, I would assume, not allowed to practice in any official capacity. Um, so it's interesting to see uh, Xavier Pinson keeps popping up in these videos and Axel Congo keeps popping up in these videos. So <laughs> there's two guys that we know are putting in a lot of work this offseason in whatever random gym they're in. I do have to say, Axel looked like he'd been putting in weight in uh, work in the weight room. He looked uh, he looked like thick in a good way. Like he looked pretty like pretty strong upper body and stuff. So he definitely, I'm sure he's been working really hard. Yeah. Well, we're gonna need anything he can provide um, on the front line next year. Um, the Mizzou basketball Twitter account sent out information regarding new numbers for the newcomers to the team. Drew Bugs will wear number two. Ed Chang will wear number 11. Jordan Wilmore will wear number 32. Um, I was thinking about former Mizzou players that have worn those numbers. Obviously, number 11 was most recently worn by Mario McKinney. Um, before that, I kind of struggled to think of anyone um jordan wilmore's 32 was worn by jabari brown i believe and uh drew bugs is number two the one that pops into my head for some reason is tony criswell that's what i thought of too um was naming right three i honestly have no idea i don't either i i think um he was the guy that just transferred to uh michael dixon was number 11 Oh, there you go. Who was uh, who the guy who I think was a walk-on? Suggs? Ronnie Suggs? Was he yeah. number two? That sounds about right. Who knows? Steve Moore was number 32. <laughs> uh, no number no number two. Oh, we're, th- we're missing a significant player. That was number 11 recently. I just saw my poster. <laughs> uh... Dejounte, yeah, uh, okay. And MPJ was thirteen. That was a weird yeah. story. When uh, do you remember when Terrence Phillips tweeted yeah, was... out like basically saying I'm not giving up number one? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> was, was like, oh, okay, like, dude. 
okay, literally it's like the greatest player to ever walk through these doors. Can you please give up your number? Yeah. <laughs> but it seemed like MPJ um, made the most of it and yeah. you know, had some meaning behind his number 13, so it all worked out in the end. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> as far as their jersey numbers went, <laughs> I, would, I would definitely not say everything worked out regarding Terrence Phillips and Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> <laughs> about like as opposite as possible but yeah but but jersey numbers hey everything was fine everything was fine that we know of <laughs> yeah for some That's, reason in my head uh i have drew smith at number two but i think he's number 12 i guess yeah i don't think he's number two i could be wrong i think there's a two in his number though yeah I don't, i'm not sure yeah well, there's been a lot of uh what ifs and Missouri athletics like going around on Twitter this week that mm-hmm. that's got to be number one. What, what if Michael Porter jr. Was number one? Yeah. And that's one that's been, what if he was Jersey number one? Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. I just knew already where you were going with that. And then just <laughs> took a left turn right at the end. Yeah. He probably yeah, doesn't if, hurt it. What if they had switched Jersey numbers? I'm sure things would have been <laughs> totally different for both of them. Yeah. He, yeah. I'm sure. Definitely wouldn't have hurt his back if he was number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, enough about jersey numbers, I think. Um, did you see two things? I know you saw both of them, so I don't know why I asked, but uh, Anton Brookshire I, Brookshire, I sent you a video that was tweeted out from Matt Harris, who's with uh, Rockham Nation. It was just a huddle.com highlight video. Um, and maybe we can link it in the, I'll try to link it in the description of the podcast and video, but it's the best video I've seen as far as just uh, showcasing everything that Brookshire can do on the basketball court. Now, obviously he's playing against high schoolers, but um, you can see, you know, why a a coaching staff would really like him, especially if he's growing and uh, you know, we'll have a, we'll be taller with a longer wingspan by the time he gets to college uh, did you have any thoughts about that video? I was just really impressed. It seemed like he could just do everything on the court. Yeah, I think that was a, a nice testament to his game. And, um, you know, sometimes you can be a little skeptical of high school prospects that just only shoot or something like that, or like only dunk because they're playing really uh, superior or in superior competition or whatever it is. Inferior, but some people would say. Some people would say that, yes. <laughs> and uh, I think that that, that video kind of showcased that he really kind of has a nice all around game and he, he can shoot and he can score, but he can also f- facilitate. And um, yeah, I, I thought that was very impressive. Yeah. Scoring at all three levels was something that he's, he's mentioned in a few interviews lately. That that's something he really has been working on and it was definitely on display in that video. Um, so I recommend everybody go check that out if they want a little bit more about what they're getting in him. Um, and then the, the other thing that has really been stirring up the folks on Twitter is the St. Louis metro area all-decade boys basketball team. Um, I forget the gentleman's name that wrote the article. We've actually met him multiple times at the Tournament Champions in Springfield. Um, maybe His name is David, and his last name starts with a K, and I don't know how to pronounce it. All right, that's good enough. Um, but he works maybe... for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Yes. Uh, so he put out his St. Louis boys basketball all decade team and maybe he was inviting a, um, a little bit of controversy maybe to 
get some clicks, get some eyeballs. Maybe he just really felt strongly the way he did. Um, regardless, he did get the clicks and the eyeballs and the Twitter mentions because he had some a few little controversial things. Um, and the main one, we'll just jump right to it. He gave EJ Liddell um, Metro Player of the Decade over the likes of Bradley Beal or more importantly, Jason Tatum of Chaminade. And I think looking at the, the first team, second team, I don't have that many arguments to make. It's really just Jason Tatum not getting player of the decade. Yeah. It's pretty mind boggling to me. Yeah. That's, uh, that's like worthy of an uproar, honestly. I mean, if, if you really care about, you know, these lists and all decade teams, like that's, that's truly a, uh, just devastating <laughs> pick for all decade team. Yeah. I mean, it, and it seemed like he was really focused on what the players did in their time in high school rather than, you know, what they did afterwards. But even still, I, you know, we, we were talking about it that, uh, you know, EJ, his, his stats were inferior to that of Jason Tatum and even in high school. Yeah. So it just didn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, EJ, amazing high school yeah, player. Great, great I mean, player. Absolutely deserving of being first team all decade. Um, however, there's two things that stood out to me. Um, EJ Liddell was, um, Mr. Basketball for Illinois in his junior and senior seasons. If I read this correctly, Jason Tatum was the player of the year for the state of Missouri all four years of high school, which is just nuts. And I'm, and I'm going to double check that while we have this episode, because that just seems too good to be true. But the one that stands out above all the others is Jason Tatum was the national Gatorade player of the year, his senior year. Yeah. And that is not something EJ Liddell did. No. And um, hit that Chaminade team that he led. Uh, also had Tyler Cook, which maybe um, maybe that works against him in something like this because he had help. But um, that Chaminade team is one of the best in Missouri State basketball or high school basketball history yeah yeah J jason tatum is like a transcendent talent i mean i mean he's gonna if not if he's if he's not already he's an, gonna be an nba superstar in my opinion i just yeah he did everything you could possibly accomplish in high school there's really no logical explanation for why he's not the player of the decade and and like you said ej liddell great great player um probably deserving yeah of a first team but uh, this was just no logical explanation other than uh, he wanted some clicks, like you said. So, and he definitely got that. Yeah. Uh, Tatum was a McDonald's all American and Jordan brand all American. Uh, EJ Liddell was neither one of those. Uh, Jason Tatum, three time Missouri Gatorade player of the year. So I'll assume his freshman year, he did not win it or maybe you yeah. don't have access to that. Uh, I mean, that's that's my assumption as well. But uh, he was 2015 and 2016 All-Metro Player of the Year. And EJ Liddell was twice as well. But, and yeah, we, we, in, uh, in any other situation, if, you know, if Jason Tatum's not a possible selection, then I can't really argue anybody else above EJ Liddell. I mean, Bradley Beal, you can make an argument either way. Uh, Jason Tatum is the only guy, you know, if he didn't exist, then I would have pretty much no qualms with anything uh, 
regarding this all decade team? We, yeah, we actually sat right next to this guy at the tournament of champions, uh, last January. Uh, we will maybe have to confront him about this, uh, next year. I don't, I was thinking about that. I don't know if he would be like happy to talk about it because it's like his baby or he will have had, he will have talked about it so much by the time the yeah. tournament of champions rolls around in January. Yeah. He'll probably be like, what? That was like six months ago or whatever. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah. well, this is the, we know you and, and you were, you did this. So we want to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it was kind of depressing to read through this list as a Mizzou fan, honestly. I mean, obviously missed out on EJ Liddell, um, Jason Tatum. I'm pretty sure his final two were Duke and Mizzou. So you just wonder sometimes if Mizzou is in a different place when he was making that decision or the, the years leading up to it, you know, maybe they have a better shot. Uh, Bradley Beal went to Florida, Courtney Ramey. There was a time where I felt really good about him being a tiger um, man, there was just, I mean, it keeps going. Uh, Jordan Goodwin was a guy that I thought maybe Mizzou should have, you know, pursued a little bit harder. And he uh, has been great in college. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mark Smith it took him a while, it took him a little bit to come around, but, uh, he actually wanted to come to Mizzou for baseball then was, Obviously, at Illinois, we know all about that. So, finally, there's a guy on the list that ended up at Missouri. And then uh, Caleb Love is on here. Uh, Cam Bideshide, who um, ended up at Missouri but never played a game. So, there's just a lot of what-ifs regarding players coming to Mizzou and mm-hmm. you know, some big misses. Like I said, a little bit depressing. Yeah. Um we had a uh, we had another uh, Twitter interaction recently. I don't know if you're uh, ready to move into this, but um, we had a guy on Twitter that that basically uh, brought up some interesting points about um, you know some of the recruiting that in-state recruiting, uh, some questionable in-state recruiting from Conzo. Um, let me pull up his tweet really quick, and uh, I'll read what what he said or she. I don't know. It's kind of an anonymous account, but. Um, it's uh, Dandy Chiggins at Zucruits on Twitter. Uh, but, you know, he, he basically suggested that, you know, we, we've been going a little bit too easy on Conzo. He's, he's, he's missed out on some pretty crucial recruits. Um, and, uh, you know, that he, he also kind of wondered why Conzo hasn't um, offered, you know, Aminu Muhammad and, you know, some of the top, top in-state players um, this year. And, you know what, I mean, to be honest, like, we maybe have been a little bit too forgiving of Conzo. Um, there are there's certainly some questionable things that have happened. Um, we, I, we've said, I don't know how long you've been listening or how long this person has been listening to the podcast, but we've talked a lot about um, how we will never try to get in the minds of, of the coaches on the recruiting trail because it just doesn't make sense what they're doing a lot of the times. Um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make sense why we end up with certain players or we go s- really hard for certain players and we seem to almost ignore other players um because yeah there's a lot of good in-state players that have gone elsewhere um there's a lot of good in-state players that don't have offers and i i don't i completely agree i don't know why that's happening um i think Conzo is very very particular um in the recruit that he's looking for and this is not my opinion necessarily of what he should do but it just my perception of 
what it seems like he's doing is it, it seems like he's kind of going for a certain kind of player. And uh, I think that maybe even extends beyond uh, what this player does on the basketball court, but, you know, their personality and their uh, certain, you know, mental toughness that he at least perceives. And um, that would probably explain maybe why he jumped for Anton Brookshire instead of some of the other players that are in front of him on the rankings. Um, but and it might be, you know, why Konzo really likes a um, Javon Pickett kind of player, you know, a guy who's athletically limited, but um, certainly a really hard worker, um, you know, a smart player, but, um, and that doesn't always work out. That definitely does not always work out. And sometimes you get a very stale on-court um, product, like we've kind of seen the last two years, whenever you go after a certain type of player um, that usually resembles an athletically limited model, and then, yeah, sometimes you get what we have currently. And so um, I, I understand your frustration. I really do. Um, it's just not it, it, there's not a lot of explanation for it, but um, this is a very important class coming up in 2021. It's a very important class. There's a lot of openings. Um, it's yet to be seen. I, I think I'm really going to, um, th this might be kind of the make or break year for Conzo. Obviously, obviously it is, you know, with kind of disappointing results and disappointing recruiting classes so far with, you know, limited time on his contract left. Obviously this is the make or break time. So um, I think I'll probably try and reserve too much judgment until we really see what happens with this class. But I completely understand your, your frustrations. Kyle, honestly, you couldn't have put it much better. Um, there are definitely some things, some specific things in the tweet that I wanted to respond to. Um, first of all, there's a little bit of hyperbole, you know, I'll grant you some of that, but the tweet says, quote, he's a terrible in-game coach and a terrible recruiter. That I believe is a little bit of hyperbole. I don't think he's terrible at either one of those things. Maybe disappointing at times, yes. Um, and then the other thing I got to point out is the term accepting mediocrity. And I got to be honest, that's kind of a trigger term where if I read that, I tend to assume that you're not being serious and you're just kind of trolling. But the rest of the tweets, I think, showed that that may not be the case. So uh, we, if you want to talk about accepting mediocrity, I have to point to my Indiana Pacers, who uh, their organization is built around making the playoffs but staying under the luxury tax. And it's all about revenue. And they absolutely settle for mediocrity and it's the most infuriating thing. So if any of my other sports teams do that same thing, I do get frustrated. And I don't think uh, there's a few things that go into our analysis of Conzo Martin that I think we should point out. And one of those is the structure of his contract. There's, there's no point in clamoring for a coaching change when you just literally know it's not going to happen because of the structure of his contract. And I think the Mizzou fan base, you know, if, if that's really how you feel, just um, hold on to those thoughts and, if, and just keep gathering evidence and then let it out when it could actually make a difference. And right now he's got another season to coach before 
anything can happen contractually that would cause him to not be the coach at Missouri any longer. Um, so I think that factors into our analysis a little bit, and we've just kind of come to grips with the fact that he's going to be coaching one more year no matter what. So we'd be kind of, you know, wasting our breath if we demanded that he be fired tomorrow or anything like that. Um, I think we've pointed out on the show before that we're both pretty big fans of Conzo as a person. And, you know, like we kind of were in the same boat with Barry Odom that there would have been nothing better than to see either one of those guys be the most successful coach Missouri has ever had in that sport. But I do think you have to kind of come to terms with the fact that that's just not going to happen sometimes. And I think for a lot of other fans, that guy was Kim Anderson and um, maybe uh, some older fans that watched him play um, for the Tigers and saw him as an assistant coach under Norm Stewart. There was just that, you know, true son mentality that I think all of us get sucked into a little bit. And it doesn't help that you and I saw Conzo coach in Springfield and uh, lead the Bears to one of the best seasons they've had in a really long time. So um, those are things that you have to keep in mind when you're kind of evaluating Conzo at this point. And I think we've mentioned multiple times that the 2021 class is going to be huge because of, like you said, everybody that you're having to replace and what's out there to be scooped up. And I don't think anybody obviously we're not happy every time he misses out on a recruit. And I just named several of them in that uh, St. Louis all decade team, which I didn't even plan to wear St. Louis Cardinals when we talk about St. Louis all decade team, but that works out just perfectly. Um, Yeah. So all those guys that we've missed out on over the years is just incredibly frustrating. Um, I do want to touch on, uh, he mentions, he or she mentions Aminu Muhammad. And when you're looking at the top of the state rankings each year, I think there's two things that happen. One is the coaching staff, I I would be shocked and it would probably be a fireable offense if the coaching staff never reached out to Aminu Muhammad's camp to see if they were receptive to being recruited by Missouri. I have to assume that they did that and were told not interested. Thanks anyway. Mm-hmm. And if you're told that, you know, there's plenty of guys that maybe are not super receptive that you go after because you need to. And those are Caleb Love, Cam Fletcher, you know, Josh Christopher, those type of guys. If you even have a chance, you go after it. If a top player says, sorry, no chance, you'd be wasting your time. Then how frustrated would we be as fans if we found out that that was the case and we still allocated a bunch of resources in pursuit of him only to find out after the fact, yeah, I was never coming to Missouri. I mean, that would be equally as frustrating as missing out on a guy is if we mm-hmm. wasted a bunch of time when the staff was told, sorry, not interested. So I think that that's the case with Amina Muhammad. And then we've seen, like you kind of mentioned, that the staff, their evaluation is not necessarily on the same page every time with the recruiting services and the rankings and the stars. And sometimes we really question that, like with Jordan Wilmore, um, you know, taking him over Davian Bradford, who ended up uh, picking K-State. Um, but then you got to look at Xavier Penson on the other side of that and say, here's a guy who was underrated by the recruiting 
rankings and Conzo scooped him up and look what he's become. Um, you know, we're talking about him maybe leaving early to go pro, probably not this off season, but maybe next year. Um, and if he doesn't, then fantastic. We've got a, an awesome guard for the next three seasons. Um, so our two seasons. So I don't know. I think the evaluation aspect of it with, and just looking at the rankings for the state of Missouri doesn't tell you the same thing every season. So like Mario McKinney was the number one player in the state of Missouri for most of his senior season. And then Dewan Harris was offered and committed to KU and then just jumped ahead of him. So that's kind of like, all right, we had the number one player in Missouri until that happened. Um, Caleb Love, Cam Fletcher, you know, Ryan Kalkbrenner, those guys at the top of a state recruiting class is very different that, you know, those guys being two and three, Cam Fletcher and Kalkbrenner is quite a bit different from uh, Jaden Jones and Jordan Nesbitt being two and three in the class of 2021. Um, they're just not, they're not being recruited by the same type of teams or the same type of programs. And, you know, they're just not the same caliber players, even though their ranking in the state is the same, you know, their overall national ranking and position rating and all that stuff is much worse. So I think it's not necessarily apples to apples there. And I can understand if there are some other issues, uh, there being reasons why Conzo is not going after uh, some of those guys, even if they are at the top of the state rankings this year. Yeah. I, I have to agree with you that, I just don't think that Konzo would, you know, look at uh, Jordan Nesbitt or, you know, Aminu Muhammad. Well, Aminu Muhammad might be a little bit different, but, you know, some of those players who don't have Mizzou offers and just say, yeah, they're not good enough to play here and we want to do something else. Like they're just, I, I just have to assume that there's something about their evaluations, whether it be on the court or off the court that they don't like um, or, you know, that they, uh, you know, just something that we maybe don't know about. And uh, I think that's maybe something that, you know, we, we probably need to give the coaches a little bit more uh, credit uh, that they probably know infinitely more about these players than we do. And it's really easy to just assume that uh, every single player in Missouri that is on the rankings list should have an offer from Missouri, but, and, and maybe that's the more so the case in football because you got more scholarships, but in basketball, you have to be incredibly selective um, with with who you with who you get with such limited scholarships and I just have to trust uh, the the, co the coaching staff on this one that they, there's something that we don't know about or something in their evaluations that they're not comfortable with um, and in the long run maybe maybe it just turned it looks terrible in the long run maybe right uh, yeah and I, I can't fault anybody for assuming the opposite if somebody says well I'm going to choose to assume that he's just not doing his job correctly. All right, that's fine. You can assume that, um, you know, that's an assumption just like it. I'm assuming that uh, he's doing the best he can and, um, you know, going after guys when it's appropriate and being strategic and all of that. I just don't think you get the job in the first place after, you know, three other division one stops if, I think, you know, the uh, athletic department would know if that was, a, if there was a risk of him just kind of getting the job and then sitting back and not really putting the work in. I don't think anybody's ever accused him of anything like that in his career. 
but yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, it could, all of this will just be uh, building, you know, until the time comes when his job is actually being evaluated uh, by the uh, athletic director. And honestly, when that time comes with the stuff that's been going on in the athletic departments, we don't even know if the athletic director that hired him will still be around to make that decision. Mm-hmm. So it'll be, it'll be a weird, it'll be a very interesting off season next year. If, um, if there's not improvement, if we don't see a solid recruiting class, if uh, there's just not some glimmer of hope on the horizon. And I think maybe we're starting to see an early hint at what's to come if uh, from the fan base, if, if we're looking at sort of the same situation next year. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's justified. I think, Um, you know, there were some, there were some, uh, some roadblocks at the beginning of Kanza's time here, there was injuries and there was, you know, and like, like anybody has to deal with those. So I don't want to make excuses, but you know, sometimes that happens and um, has this plane taken a little bit longer to get off the ground than we had hoped. Absolutely. Are we a little bit disappointed? Absolutely. Are there question marks? Absolutely. Um, but I, I'm not quite, I'm not quite there, uh, with the, with our Twitter follower, as far as the, uh, his, his views, I don't think I'm quite there yet. Um, but I, I definitely, you know, I understand where he's coming from a little bit and I could be there, um, at, at some point, um, if things don't get better for sure. Um, but I do appreciate, uh, you, you listening and, and I appreciate the feedback and, um, you know, it's it's completely reasonable to uh, kind of assess where we're at with Conzo and, and where we're at with uh, basketball recruiting. Yeah, and it's perfectly reasonable to, fr- to be frustrated. Um, just, yeah, I mean, and for anybody else that wants to give their take on any of that, we, we'd be happy to respond. Um, if you think there's there's something we're not quite thinking about right or just haven't really looked at it from a certain perspective, uh, feel free to let us know. Um, use Use that. Uh, interaction is an example of like the furthest you can go uh, with certain things and still uh, get talked about on the show because there's there is a you know definitely just a, I, will, I would say hyperbole that uh, made me hesitant at first. There's a line where we don't take you seriously anymore, but that that was right. within the range. But it's yeah. getting up there. Yeah, toeing the line, but uh, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt, and we're happy to discuss it. So uh, yeah, I'm glad we were able to do that. And it does, it does feel good every once in a while to just kind of take stock and, uh, you know, see a different perspective on something that, uh, believe it or not, you and I probably pretty much agree on for the most part. Do we have any other, uh, any other news? I like how I didn't even realize that this, this person uh, commented on us raving about Anton Brookshire and I literally led we led into this topic by me uh talking about anton brookshire's huddle video yeah (laughs) yeah you uh you played under that yeah i did i well i mean to speak on that just for a minute i think i am i am more excited about brookshire coming to missouri than i would be if uh the staff offered jordan nesbitt last week and he committed two days later um i would still be happy about that but I think Jordan Nesbitt's recruitment now here's write this one down, producer Cameron. This is a, a cold take waiting to happen. Uh, Jordan Nesbitt's recruitment, I think 
is as is very close to its peak. Um, I don't think you're going to see many more powerhouse uh, programs get involved in his recruitment. Um, and I think in the long run, and, and on the flip side, I think Brookshire's recruitment is just taken off. And I think we're going to see, uh, and maybe this will be hindered a little bit because he's already committed, but that usually doesn't stop programs from going ahead and throwing offers around. Um, I'm going to predict Anton Brookshire before it's all said, when it's all said and done and the 2021 class is solidified, there's no more movement in the rankings. Anton Brookshire will be the number two player in the state of Missouri, according to 24 seven sports. Okay. I like it. Mark it down May 14th. So you're saying both the number one, Oh, wait. Oh. He'll be behind Aminu Muhammad only. No, that's yeah. what I was going to say. The number one and number two players are both going to be in Springfield. That's my prediction, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. We'll see, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. I hope you're obviously, right. Obviously, uh, this is me being optimistic and hopeful, but no, I mean, never let me down in the past. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> only every single year. Yeah, only every make time, predictions. always. <laughs> do you have anything else uh, we need to talk about anything you need to get off your chest kyle uh, i think that's uh that's it for now i'm sure yeah. i'll have some more some more stuff to get off my chest uh next week but uh better get that it. car fixed taking it in tomorrow so <laughs> we will uh we'll see i'm sure i'll probably be buying a new abs module but at least my car will work I've got new decorations for the studio that I want to uh, debut. I was say, oh, I've yeah, you told me about this. that. I'm so yeah. sorry that I had to put that on hold for another week. Oh, man. So many more excited to be put on hold. Well, at least we'll be alive. At least I'll be alive for sure. Yep. At least your brakes won't give out on the way. Yeah. All right. Well, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod and please give us some feedback give us some uh, something that you think we we should talk about um, any ideas we're open to um, give us your thoughts on the show uh, you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com I also failed to mention we are on tw- uh, Instagram at Mizzou Sports Pod and YouTube yes please go subscribe and like our video um Leave us a review if you're able to. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.